Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, we have our small business owners, we have our local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And then on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we and our guest experts help you win at the game of business and marketing. Just visit us at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe to Business Creators Radio Show. Fresh content added every single Tuesday. Today, I am very happy that we are going to be covering one of the quintessential topics when it comes to business creation and winning at the game of business and marketing known as branding. We've had a few guests on Business Creators Radio Show covering various aspects of branding, and this is a really timeless topic because I think a lot of people tend to misunderstand what branding really is, and there's a conception that people have in their mind of what a branding exercise is. But the fact is, it really is something different. And every time we bring somebody on to discuss branding, we find out that it's really substantially the same thing. It's just that everybody has a different take on it, and I encourage you to look at the different points of view on branding and decide which one makes the most sense to you. But today, I really want you to focus in, listen to this space, and discover what you're going to find out for yourself as we cover how to build your brand on intention. And to help us with that, we have with us Natasha Davis of Impact Branding. And just to tell you a little bit about Natasha, and I'm, I'm so excited to have Natasha here. Uh, her bio is kind of lengthy here, so just give me a moment. Natasha Davis is a baccalaureate prepared registered nurse certified in emergency and trauma nursing for over 12 years. She emerged as a branding strategist in 2017 with the launch of her second company, Visionary People LLC, which is a certified woman-owned small business, EDWOSB, DBE, WBE, MBE, and a lot of different other initials. Uh, you can see all this all on, on our website at businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Natasha shifted her career focus and pursued her master's in business and marketing in the fall of 2009. Her specialty is taking visions for success and creatively transforming them into reality. She's a certified expert in email and social media marketing, and she thrives on fixing problems and eliminating frustrations for companies and their executives. Uh, there are a lot of other things. Uh, she's received a lot of other honors. I'm just going to point out a few of them. Uh, for example, uh, in 2009, she authored and published her first book, which is called Get Grounded and Stay Grounded. She's currently working on the launch of her second book called Unleash Your Millionaire Mindset and Build Your Brand, which is scheduled for le release in March of 2016. By 2011, Natasha had gained recognition as the Executive Professional and Entrepreneur of the Year and noted as one of the 40 under 40 movers and shakers in business by Career Magazine. In 2011, she was also welcomed to the World Chamber of Commerce as the Director of Membership. In 2012, she entered her roles as New Business Ambassador for the Rockdale Chamber of Commerce and Chair of Marketing for the Atlanta World Affairs Council Young Leaders. 
In 2013, Natasha was presented with recognition as a woman of outstanding leadership in business by the International Women's Leadership Association Leadership Category. And on February 14, 2014, just over two years ago, the company Visionary People LLC was awarded by the USIEC with the 2013 Georgia Excellence Award in Marketing. Now, what's nice about Natasha is just like we have the Business Creators Radio Show, she has a radio show as well called Coaching for Success and a TV show, A Day in the Life of Business. This young woman is passionate about being productive and progressive, humbly earning the title The Chief Visionary in 2010. Her commitment and passion is to work with people who are ready to shift into human beings of absolute success. And with this, I officially announce my resignation of host of the Business Creators Radio Show because I'm just not worthy. Natasha, welcome aboard. <laughs> my goodness, Adam. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to having a really great time today. Well, that just made our interview a lot easier. That burned almost four minutes right there. So, uh, okay. so, what, I'd like to do, so what I'd like to do here is I just read off your bio statement, which is very, very impressive. But if you could just Thank tell you. us a little bit more about what it was that brought you to the intersection of brilliance and passion that has you doing what you do today to help our business creators. Wow, thank you so much for that. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened uh, on my journey to, to finding my place or my purpose, really, and a lot of people say, where's my purpose? Finding my purpose for where I am. I, again, as you mentioned, I am a registered nurse and actually went back to school to be a nurse practitioner. Right. And uh, while I was functioning in my role to save lives, I've also realized that I had this other uh, talent and this skill. And so in that time frame, I realized that I wasn't really fulfilling everything that I was put on this earth to do. And then at that time, I shifted over into starting to acquire some of the things related to business and to marketing. And I tested a little bit of that information while I was working full-time as a registered nurse and as a healthcare provider, and then found out that I actually could bring more added value to the community if I was able to capture all of my talents, all of my skills, and then to pursue forward. So I tell people, before I was uh, full-time saving lives, and now I'm full-time saving companies, which is also saving lives as well. Well, I mean, and, you know, a lot of our business creators find that there's something they were doing before, whether the job they had or the business they owned before, mm -hmm. where they just really weren't quite at the intersection of brilliance and passion. And right. I'm so honored that you were able to accomplish that for yourself, and you are an inspiration for all of us on the call today. As our listeners know, not only am I the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, but I also join the audience, notepad and pen in hand, as a student looking for the slight <laughs> edge in my business as well. We are all in this together. So before yeah. we get into yeah. this, uh, there's a question I need to ask you, and I ask this of everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show, and they can hear the drum beat in the background. Here we go. Here in the Business Creators <laughs> Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that our guest experts say they need to do except for time and money. This is a question we ask everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show, and what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So, Natasha, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Wow. Oh, my God. That's, a, that's one of the best questions that anyone can ask. 
uh, because that is the biggest challenge for any business. If I want to do anything, I always have an issue because I need time and I need money. And really, let me tell you how I answer that. You don't need, it's not a lack of time nor money. It's a lack of knowledge. And once you have the knowledge to go to, to implement and to do things accordingly, like efficiently and effectively, you will then have the time and you can go make the money. The misconception is that you need money to make money or we need another day in the week or we need another time. And over the years of being in business, nearly 10 years of being in business, I can tell you it's neither. It's knowledge. Once you acquire the knowledge, you can make the money and you can create the time that you need. That's fantastic. And you're and, and this is truly one of our original answers here. As I mentioned, we get a lot of different takes on that same question, which is why I keep asking it. But that was really good. I never really thought of it that way, that if I hear you correctly, once you acquire the knowledge, that in certain ways takes care of the time and money issue because you know what you're doing. Exactly, exactly. When we have a lack of time, it's because we did not know what to do with the time that we were given. Uh, yeah, every one of us, right, you, me, our listeners, every business person, every corporate executive is given the same amount of time in a day to get some things done. They have to get it done, personal things done and professional things done, right? Yep. We're all given the same 24 hours. What we do with the time is different and how we allocate that time. The challenge that most small businesses will, 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 will fall into, and I'm not even going to say small business. I'm going to back up and I'm going to say independent entrepreneurs. By the time you elevate to being a small business owner, you would have gotten this principle. As independent entrepreneurs, what do we do, Adam? Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We have the I syndrome. I need to do this. I need to call this person. I need to meet here. I need to, I need to, I need to. That's the issue. As independent entrepreneurs, we always think we have to do it. When you shift out of being an independent entrepreneur, which is just being self-employed, employed by self, you go into a place of who can I get to do that thing? When you shift it to that place, you learn how to duplicate yourself. And once you duplicate yourself, you free up time. Right. Duplication is the key. You free up time. If I have 12 of me or five of me or even three of me getting things done, can you imagine how much I can get done in a day? A lot. Wow. We get a lot done. Yeah. So you need to have the knowledge. Once we break past the whole, I got to do everything as independent entrepreneurs, you shift into a completely different uh, universe of, of business ownership. And now you become a small business owner. And as a small business owner, you begin to think, who do I get to execute this? Because when I get them to do it, I can go focus on what it really means to be a chief executive officer, a true CEO. When we're independent entrepreneurs, we are not CEOs. We are just other worker bees in the company because what do we always do? We work, we work on, we work in the business. We're worker bees in the business. We have no time to become CEOs because we're busy working in as opposed to working on the business. And that is a huge, huge principle that we all have to get as business owners shifting over. Shifting over. Mm -hmm. You know, two other things we look at here at the Business Creators Institute are how can we use simple technology to help us expedite some of these things that take up our 24 hours in a day? That's the first thing we look at. Uh, a big mm -hmm. thing that I see even to this day, believe it or not, despite everything that's evolved in the past two years, are the number of entrepreneurs and small business owners 
who still handles scheduling appointments by doing an exchange yes. of emails. Hey, I'm available on this yes. date, this date, this date. When are you available? Oh, I'm not available right. on any of those, but I could do this and this. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Or they get their assistant to try and coordinate five people. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. with our mm -hmm. clients, it's actually a requirement they have an online scheduler. And as far mm -hmm. as and as far as uh, you know, even my paying clients, if they ever come to me and say, "Hey, when are you available to talk?" I laugh at them. And I, right. and I, and I, and I, and I yeah, but it's like it's like why 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 are you asking this question? What you know? This is actually it, it's actually so sad. It's funny. What 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 mm -hmm. is, is missing here? If you're asking me that question. It's actually kind of sad, funny in a way, because it means I must have failed to communicate something properly. Uh, if I'm getting asked that question, <laughs> something is seriously wrong, or you're not close enough to me that really you have any mortgage or expectation of my time whatsoever. It's one of those two right. things. So mm -hmm. that's the first thing we look mm -hmm. at. Yeah, that's just one example, scheduling. Another example we look at is we can look at the processes and say, do you need to do this at all? Mm -hmm. Countless mm -hmm. question exactly. everything. Does it actually need to get done in the first place? Is, or is this something that you're doing because long, long ago somebody told you that this was an essential business function? So, and although in most cases, I think most entrepreneurs and business owners are doing what they need to be doing and no more and no less in most cases, we do challenge that because we find that really it could be up to 10% of stuff that's just completely extraneous. So they may be doing a five-step process when really all they need is steps one, two, and four to reach the result. You know, that's an excellent point that you've made, and you're absolutely right. The Having some form of a automated scheduling is key. Here's why some people, it depends on what you're doing. You know, sometimes, and rightfully so, sometimes it does require, you know, a pick up the phone, a reach out person, right? But when we're talking about client management, because we're talking about really managing our time, there is supposed to be an online scheduling system in place. And the reason why some people don't have it is because, again, it goes back to knowledge. They don't know what they're doing with their day to begin with because they don't have business processes and systems in place. So, therefore, they don't understand, okay, what does my day really look like? Most independent entrepreneurs or some, you know, business owners, they're grabbing at straws and their day begins at 5 a.m. and it ends at, like, 2 a.m. Right. That is absurd. It's a, that's why some people don't participate in online scheduling. Why? Because they don't really know how to create an online schedule to block them off because they don't really know what they're doing in that day. There is a valuable principle to advancing your company, managing your time, and, brand, and getting to a place to brand yourself. One of that thing is in the, in the weekday, if you are a Monday to Friday company or Sunday to Sunday, whatever your time is, in that week, you should have on your calendar blocked off called a CEO day, which means if you and, and that's valuable for someone who doesn't have a fully functional staff, right? For the person that's trying to get there in your on your calendar because it can be a hectic day. On your calendar, you should have a day blocked off, which is called a CEO day. What do you do in CEO day? Everything that you need to do to take your company from point A to point B to move it forward. You don't do all the other trivial things. The only thing you do on CEO day is the strategic advancement of your company. Most people don't manage their weekday like that. They wake up and they go on to social media. 
They figure out what's happening there. They think, well, I got an email or a text today so I can go hurry up and meet with somebody. They're chasing, you know, it's like they're just chasing their tails. When you know what you're doing with your day, which goes back to what, Adam? What's the goal? What's the advancement goal? What's the mission? What am I focused on this quarter? If you're focused on client acquisition, then the activities for the next quarter should be focused on a specific client acquisition. If it's a program rollout or development or you're, you're building a speaking plan or you're doing something else like that, what you're focused on that quarter will orchestrate and direct what activities you do. Therefore, you won't waste time meeting with every and anybody because it doesn't line up with the strategic goal for the company if that makes sense. So utilizing the online system, the reason why some people don't utilize it is because they don't know what what they're doing with their time. So therefore, I can't say that I'm available at one because I really don't know what I'm going to be doing at one. Right. Right? Right, right. That's a great challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 very very true. And what I find is very interesting is how you're linking this idea of how we manage our day back to branding. And... Mm-hmm. We do need to shift into branding here because we want to make sure that we get your full intersection of brilliance and passion out within the hour we have together here. But one final point I want to make is I discovered the importance of a CEO day. Uh, this goes back about maybe five or six years. It was the, about the year 2008, yeah. 2009. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember that it was a Wednesday, right? And I wanted Wednesday afternoon to do something. I can't remember what the details were. I don't know what uh-huh. the hell. I don't know what the hell happened, but my, <laughs> but my but my phone just started ringing and wouldn't stop. Oh my gosh! And thirteen calls in a row came in. I think it was the number. It was ridiculous. And when I look back at what all those calls, those unscheduled calls, were about, and what the issues were, I looked at that. I said, I said, I'm, I'm just using the number thirteen. It was approximately that number. I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm saying, thirteen of thirteen of these issues should not have reached me. Mm-hmm. 13 out of wow. 13 of these things should not have even been here. And in nine mm-hmm. of the 13, these people should have known better than to even take up my time with this. And, mm-hmm. oh, oh, and throughout this whole thing, where was my assistant? Probably on his own. They're doing their own thing, their own personal time or <laughs> nothing. That's, and see, no, 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 I'm not going to say that. But uh, what, I, what I am going to say is that speaks to the challenge of the small business owner and the entrepreneur who's looking to build an organization. And mm-hmm. unless you have full-time people, they're not really going to be full-time. Just like exactly. if you're not full-time with your own business, you're not really going to utilize time and money. So now that we've had our productivity lesson so that we can get our schedules cleared and we can focus on, uh, we can focus on building your brand on intention, the first thing I want to shift yes. to is you told me in the green room something about brand equity. If you could explain that to me and tell me why we care. Oh, yeah. That is, I mean, i got to tell you, first of all, branding is, I salivate over branding. I've, I've spent years understanding what real branding is and the true essence of it, and I just get so excited about that. Let me tell you, brand equity, which is something you very, uh, you know, I have, I tell people all the day, I love my resume, and I have two master's degrees, and it's all great, but I can tell you one thing. Neither of those master's degrees taught me what I'm about to share with you right now. Nothing, Okay. Right. So when we talk about brand equity, we think about your brand and how it's positioned and stabilized in the marketplace. 
And the reason why it's very important to a company to build that brand equity is because that will translate into loyalty. When you have brand equity and you really position your company to be uh, seen as the industry expert, because, and, and here's a piece, I have to say it. Most people get started, and I can say a lot of people, not because they are stupid, it's because they don't know. When most people start their company, they build the company to run off their backs. If they don't work it, it doesn't go anywhere. If they don't make the call, the call never gets made. If they don't show up or they don't execute the service, it never gets done. That is the greatest issue. So building brand equity has to talk about the brand, the company. What does your company do? And, and where does your company sit in your marketplace? You have to have a place of brand equity where it touches the person's cognitive place, the marketplace's mind. You have to have brand equity visually and you have to have it auditorily as well. You need your marketplace to see you, feel you, and hear you. And the way that you position yourself to have that brand equity is you build a company that is firm. You build a company, and I can't find any other word that's not wishy-washy. You can't have a presentation of your company that represents the color blue today and three months later because you're feeling all fired up and excited, you start rolling out things that's in red. And that's a very elementary way for me to explain that, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. You have, and brand equity takes time. You have to position your company that over time it looks the same, it feels the same, people know exactly what they're coming to because once you have brand equity, you have loyalty. When you have loyalty, you have generation of revenue, and when you start generating a lot of revenue, you then have profit. Right. So brand equity is super important because it refers to what is the value of your brand in the marketplace. A lot right. of people like to put value on their, their companies for themselves. You, the owner or the founder, even you cannot put the value of your company because if the marketplace doesn't value your company, it's of no value. <laughs> So that's right. another thing, you know. <laughs> we got to make sure we know that. It's what the marketplace feels, sees, and hears when they are exposed to your company. And those are the things that people need to work on. There's three types of branding. Those are the things that people need to work on, and which is some of the things I talked about in that new book, uh, Unleashing Millionaire Mindset, that we talked about, the three types of branding. Right, 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 right. So – so digging more into this, uh, the three things a business must develop in order to grow. The three things the, the any business needs to develop, um, you know, that's a very broad question, but if we're going right. to talk about specifically related to branding, okay, the three things you got to develop in branding, you got to develop visual branding, emotional branding, and auditory branding. You got to know that when your, your clients or the marketplace sees you, that they're seeing what you intended for them to see. When, they, when they're exposed to your company, they get the feeling that you need them to get. And when they hear your company, the name of your company, they get the emotion they need to get. They, they respond accordingly. If uh, Let's take, for example, if you had a bad experience with a company, 
when you hear the name of that company, it's going to elicit very uncomfortable emotions, and you're probably going to express what you felt. It was a horrible experience. They treated me like crap. You know, I, got, I never got what I paid for. You know, it can go on and on and on. So you've you got to be careful. All three of these things are linked in because if any one of these are off, and you, you delivered bad service, any one of these are off. If the person sees your company, if they're exposed to it or if they hear it, it's going to send off those radars and it's going to bring your company down. It takes forever to develop brand equity. But once you develop brand equity, it's a done deal. You can't lose it. You cannot lose it. So that's one of the things people need to work on is really looking at what does my company represent in the marketplace. So referring to Brandon, those are the three things we need to hone in on. Okay. Uh, so how and when did you learn how to effectively brand visionary people? And if you could take a step <laughs> back and define for me what you mean by a visionary person first off. Sure, sure. So when I started the company nine years ago, the company was named Visionary People. And um, as of this year, we decided to rebrand it, and that's why it's now called Impact Branding, because it represents more clearly what we do. When we look at what a visionary person is, a visionary person, you know, everybody wants to put this wonderful uh, level of, of the epitome of the, it has nothing to do with that. A visionary is someone that can see what needs to be done, that is not afraid to go after it, and that can go and bring others with them. I need to see where we need to go. I need to see the opportunity. Visionaries typically do not always view an obstacle as a challenge. When they view an obstacle, that is really an opportunity. It's an opportunity to capture, to obtain, to evolve, to magnify. It's an opportunity. Most visionaries, once someone becomes that, will see every time something comes up as a wall, there's always a way around. There's always a way around. Either I go through it or I go around it because there's always a way. So as a visionary, you can see what needs to be done. You can visualize here's the next place because here's what happens, right, Adam? There's always something that needs to get done. That's why my business exists. That's why your business exists. That's why the businesses keep existing because there's something that needs to be fixed or there's a problem that needs to be solved. That's why we exist. And we are when we do that now, we have to, as the CEO standing back, we have to be able to look beyond the challenges and look beyond the hiccups and the hills and all the other things and look beyond that and look straight square at the, the goal. What do we need to accomplish? And then you have to be able to bring others with you. Visionaries do not ride by themselves. A visionary needs people to come and help execute that stuff. Right. Very true. Very true. Uh now, what is the goal behind some of your published literature? And I know we're going through the rest of the questions you wanted to ask, and then I have some from the audience. Sure, sure. The goal behind, so the first book that was released, Get Grounded, Stay Grounded, was written um, with the main purpose of giving people the right to pursue themselves. Get Grounded, Stay Grounded was a permission to live, a permission to be myself. I'm, it's so I can accept me as me, and, and I am qualified to stand in my shoes. And see, what happens is some, especially, you know, you get into certain different roles in your life, 
sometimes people begin to lose themselves because they're peeling off layers of themselves. They lose themselves. So get grounded, to stay grounded. It's basically written to give people a permission to be themselves and stand in their own shoes. It's okay to be you. Unleash your millionaire mindset was literally written from the edge of restoration and the seat of recovery. Most people go through something, and when they get through that something, there's only two things they do. They either keep going and, or they, and they never look back, or they keep going, but they reach back and pull some people up with them. I'm the person that reaches back and pulls people with them. You know, as I said to you before, I thank God I've been blessed to have two master's degrees. I'm very educated. I've had a lot of great opportunities. But with that journey came with a lot of lessons, and those are some very costly lessons, and some of them were painful lessons. And so once I learned how to maneuver and to deal with each of these things, I realized none of my master's degrees, none of my education taught me how to deal with this stuff. And so when I sat there and I began to pen the journey on how I got to the place where I have a millionaire mindset and I can move forward, I had to come back and let others know. It's like you're standing there like, hey, it's, it, let me show you. I tell people I've taken one for the team already. There's no need to do it again. This literally is a guide to how you get from point A to point B and to avoid all the hiccups and the missteps and the misconceptions because we were taught so many misconceptions and no one debunks them. They just keep telling these stories, and no one debunks the myths. Well, I've debunked all of the myths in this book, and that's exactly how I want, that's exactly what I wanted to happen. Let's debunk the myths, let's start telling the truth, and let's get transparent because people are hurting for the truth. And we need to tell them the truth so that they can get from point A to point B, and they can actually be very successful. A lot of people are chasing their tails, and it looks like success, but it's not success. What are some of the misconceptions you think people are fed, and how does this impact branding? Wow. Um, I can tell you one of the biggest uh, – some of the misconceptions, and I can tell you right now, let's talk, let's talk social media, okay, because social media has become a benchmark um, in business for large as well as small companies. One of the misconceptions is that people have been fed the story that if you have – thousands of followers on social media, you're doing exceptionally well. That's a misconception. I've met a lot of broke businesses that had over 10,000 followers on social media that were going nowhere, that could barely pay themselves. I've also met people on social media that had less than 1,000, and their business was booming. They were making millions. I've even met people who have not even been on certain social media platforms. They have a team of five, and they're making 6 and $7 million a year. So the misconception is people have been tricked or duped into believing social media is the gold standard when it is not. We focus heavily on social media, but then we forget the true processes of business. What about the finances? of the business? What about the actual, what real marketing and positioning of business is? And then people get onto their soapbox on social media, and really and truly, when we start thinking about it, the, the conversion doesn't really convert right. So social media has a place, but a lot of people misconstrue it that it's the end-all, be-all to business. 
and marketing, and it's not. Social media is just an additional tool that people use, but it's not um, the end-all, be-all to business and marketing. Very, very true. Uh, and, you know, when I, when I look at things like that, there's a lot of things that business owners and entrepreneurs or business creators are taught that they have to do in order to be successful. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. true because if, but... it gets in, if it gets in the way of that person's integrity or it falls way too far outside the intersection of their brilliance and passion, all they're going to do right. is get hurt by implementing it. Uh, and they may find that – they they may do all these things exactly like they're told to do them, that all these other successful people were doing, and they follow it step by step. They don't deviate one inch, but things right. just keep getting worse for them. Exactly, exactly. Because it's not and, and them. It's not, exactly. You know, and, and again, the first place is whenever you um, start a business, run a company, the first place you got to stop back is look at you. Anything that goes good or bad is you. You're the CEO. You're the founder. You're the visionary. You're the leader. If the company isn't going where it needs to go, you have to step back and look at you, and it always comes back to the leader. If you did not put in place, I'll give you an example. Adam, I'm one of the most transparent people you'll, you'll find because I believe if we remain transparent, we can help more people. Right. When I first started my company, okay, in, two, in, in a, gosh, what year was that, 2006 or something, when I started the first company, which is Visionary People, I had no idea what I was doing because, remember, I was primarily a nurse. Right. And when you're in medical school, you're not taught anything about business at all. Um, so when I ventured off and I went into business, I knew I had this talent, but there was so much information that was missing. And then I got piecemeal information, so the first four years of being in business was pure hell. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I had this talent and this skill, and all I wanted to do was, was give it, you know, put, let me pour it out there. I didn't understand pricing strategy properly. They told me I needed to be on Facebook, so I went on Facebook. They told me I needed a Twitter account. I got a Twitter account. That was what I was told. They told me go to every networking event and, and go to the ones that got a lot of people, collect all the cards. That was what I was told from a business perspective. So I did what I was told, but I was chasing my tail. I was like a hamster in a wheel. Uh Now, fast forward up to that four years now, I realized, I'm like, something isn't right. (laughs) You know, this is not, this can't be, this can't be right because I'm working so hard and I'm not getting enough results. You know, you, you get a win, but then you don't get a win for like months later. You're like, something's not right, okay? So I said, I need to go get the knowledge. I need to go find out what's wrong. And so I started soliciting information from very successful business people. And I would ask them straightforward questions because as I thought of the question, I'd write it down. And I think of the question, I'd write it down. Now, some some people answered it honestly. Some people danced around it, okay? When I realized, and I, and I came up for air, and I realized, okay, here's everything I was doing wrong. Here's everything I was doing right. I had to make a decision. This is where you come to that point. This is that junction. I got to make a decision to make a change. I can't keep doing that other mess because it doesn't work. It's called the hustle. And any successful business that's really doing big things is not a hustle, Right? So I realized this was a hustle. I was doing a hustle. I'm I'm hustling just trying to make it work. And I had to make a decision. We all get to that point. We have to make a decision. It's a crossroads. So I decided to start leaving that stuff alone. But here's what I found out, right, Adam? 
all of the stuff that I did for the first four years going into the fifth year, I had to break all of those bad habits. And that was the most challenging thing because I learned all the hustle mentality for business that when I learned the right way to do things, they kept clashing. So it took me a while to, to break away the bad habits, to I regain and re-identify the brand the way I wanted the company to be, and that is the biggest thing. See, branding is a long-term strategy. It's not a three-month strategy. It is a long-term strategy. And I had to rebrand, which is why when we got to this point, we got all our ducks in a row. We know what we're doing now. We've developed business processes, which we did not have before. And most people, you never learn that. We learned business processes and how to implement them. That is why we rebranded the company and launched it, closed visionary people, and launched impact branding. Because now we know what we're doing. We don't have the bad habits. And guess what? Our previous clients that we had with visionary people, we didn't have to carry them over to impact branding because they learned our bad habits as well. That's an interesting way of looking at things. And for our listeners, although this may seem like a little bit of a segue, think about it. If you are approaching business from the wrong path or you're implementing things that you were told were the thing to do but either don't fit your model or don't fit your integrity or don't really support mm-hmm. your success, that's going to reflect through in your branding. You'll become very quickly another Me Too company. Exactly, exactly. You know, you begin to look like something that you're not really. So when we think about, you know, when I rebranding is a process, but also branding is a long-term strategy. You've got to put these systems in place. And a lot of people begin to, they, they forget processes, basic processes. And I'm going to give you five basic processes that you should have in any company, um, which will also affect your branding. If okay. you do not have a business process or a business model, I can guarantee you that your money is funny because something keeps falling off the cliff or you forget something, you're leaving money on the table, okay? So I'm going to give you five core business processes. You probably have heard these before, but now you're going to hear them to implement them. Uh, one of the process that you must understand, core process, is sales and marketing. Everybody thinks sales and marketing is the same thing. They're two different things, two completely different things. Sales is one thing. Marketing is another. The process by which you manage each one is different. I'll give you a quick example because it will get the brain churning, right? If I need to do a business process for marketing, here's one example. I go to a networking event that I have, that I have gone to because I know either my clients are there, uh, people that refer me to my clients, Right, which means what, Adam? I would have had to do an ideal client profile. Right. I need to know what my clients look like, right? Okay, so I went to a networking event, a business event that would that typically would have my target audience there. Once I get there and I meet with some people and I collect their business card, what am I going to do with it after? I got to go home. There has to be a process to manage those contacts and those cards. I need to either call them immediately, send them some form of communication. I need to set up a meeting with them because really at a networking event, did you really learn enough about the person and the company and their needs? No. So am I going to set up a meeting? Am I going to invite them to a particular event that I'm having? Okay, this is what we're talking about, building a brand intention. What am I doing? Because the worst thing you could become is the company that never follows up. 
And the, and most people get that that tag or that title because they went networking and they didn't follow a basic process on how to manage people that they met. Sure. Right? That's yeah. marketing. Right. Anybody that goes to a business event is marketing. Okay? Here's sales. Here's the difference between marketing and sales. Here's sales. A new client has come in. They said, yes, I want your business. How do you collect the payment? How is the payment distributed? Is it going to, are you sending them an invoice online? Are they giving you a check? How do you give them a receipt? When it's time for them to renew, how do you notify them? When do you notify them? Are you taking payments every three months, every six months? monthly, weekly? Do you take the payment before the month of service or at the end of the service when it's been issued? How? The, the value behind having this, the steps outlined in a process means what? When someone says, I want to come and work for your company, I want to help you, I want to volunteer, what can I do to help? You can pick up a, a one or a two-page business process, which is a policy and procedure manual, and you can hand them and say, this is what I need you to do. It has a step-by-step -step what they need to do. There's no more questions. There's no guesswork. Done. Okay? That's yep. sales and marketing. Number two, accounting. Accounting and with the use of technology. I love technology. Absolutely love technology. So when you think about that, that's called payment processing. Okay, that's basically what it is, payment processing. The last thing that you can do or the worst thing you can do is bring a client in, sign the contract. Um, you got this, this system. Okay, you're going to make your first payment. Um, okay, we go there. How do you want me to make the payment? Oh, okay, let's do your card. We're swiping the card, and it goes to some other I'm not going to name names, but it goes to maybe some kind of merchant account, okay? When it gets to the merchant account, something gets hung up. They never got a receipt. The payment never went through. Um, if they were supposed to do it online, you never went back to your web developer to tell them to update the information. All these little things, and people, we miss that. You can't, you know, when it comes to money, people get funny around money. If yeah. I'm going to pay you for service, right, you told me that it's 600 but when I get to the website and make the online payment, it's 800 or you told me to enter a code for a, a discount and the discount never applied or something like that, or it kept, it kept timing out or it kept having an error, these things are problems. People get funny with their money. It's a business process. How do we do these things, right? Another um, core business is quality of product and service delivery. Product and service delivery. I can't stress that enough. Don't deliver sloppy work. If you do a, a killer presentation and you acquire that client, it's so expensive to acquire a client. When you finally get them, you don't mess around and lose them, okay? So how do you deliver your products and your service and, and keeping quality in control. And, of course, these have much deeper layers, but I'm giving you core business process. Products and services important. Let's talk now number four, HR, finance, HR, and finance. Well, what somebody's going to say? Well, Natasha, you just told us about payment process and accounting. Finance is not accounting. Finance is what is the financial health and capability of your company. Does your company get a profit margin per product or service issued? What is the profits available? Because what? A company grows off of profits, not off of revenue. What's the budget? 
If you want to go out networking, did you have a budget to network? A company wants to sponsor. What's your sponsorship budget? What's the goals, the financial goals for the company? Does your company need to now have a revenue of 500000 this year? Do you need an extra 250000 this year? And when you do that, why? Why do you need it? What are you going to do with the money? Who are you going to hire? What, product, what systems are you going to purchase? What tools? What software? Do you need a new office? So finance is completely different from accounting, right? So you got those systems. And here's number five, you need development. If your company isn't rolling out a, a new improved product or service, you're stagnant. If you're stagnant, you don't have a competitive edge. And in this era, you need to have a competitive edge because every day you turn around, there's another branding company being released. I got to stay above. You know what I mean? There's another radio show and a, and a university releasing right out of You got to keep staying cutting edge. What's the products and services being developed to keep your company cutting edge? So having a development process, those are some of the core uh, business processes. And, and, again, like I said, each one has much different, deeper layers. You know, I talk about that in the book a little bit as well. But that in itself is a whole book by itself, right? That's a whole program by itself on how to, do, how to have your business processes because here's what happened. Business is simple until you start to grow. It's always simple until you start to grow. When you start having eyes on you and people start wanting your service, it, 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 it's no longer that simple. And your, and your brand, you don't want your brand to be sloppy when you start to grow because if you start growing with a sloppy brand, it's not going to last long. You won't have sustainability. Right. Right. That's very true. And when we talk about business systems, the reason why, for everybody listening, Natasha spent time on this, is because your brand is driven in significant part by how people perceive the quality that your company renders. So it, you know, it sometimes it starts with the, the little things. I mean, how easy or how hard mm -hmm. is it to do business with you? One of the things we look at in the Business yeah. Creators Institute is we look to, as much as reasonably possible, shorten the steps between the customer's interest and the customer giving you money. Yes, perfect. Right. You said it, Adam. You said it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Don't don't have this lengthy around the mountain, over the hills, and through the mulberry bush process. If I can't say, yes, I want your service from the point of, yes, I want your service to the point where I pay you to get my service, that's a problem. You, because people, there's always someone out there that can do it better or quicker. And it's not even – sometimes people don't even understand they want better. They just want quicker, right, Adam? You could right. be given the best service, and you know that you're, you're better above your competitor, but they are delivering it quicker. And the problem is that client is going to get the sloppy service over there. They're going to end up back with you eventually, but – you're going to have to clean up so much mess, and you're going to have to work that much harder to convince them that it's okay. You're not going to hurt them. You're going to take care of them because they've already right. been burnt. That's, that's Right? That's so you want to get it together. Mm -hmm. You want to get it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Now, some of our listeners may be hearing in our comments and, and the thing we just agreed upon that, oh, well, you shouldn't have long sales copy. You should just put up short pages and say how much is it and how do they get it. Or you should always list your prices for your coaching services and things like that. Wow. Now, let me be clear. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> what we're saying is no. the processes and make them more efficient. In many cases, you need long-form sales letters 
to sell, especially high-end programs and high-end services. There's a relationship between the size and complexity of the offer and the length of copy that you need. And it also has a lot to do with how well that prospect knows you. So you need to be aware yes. of your conversion funnels. This is where you become smart about this. You start working right. You become aware of your conversion funnels and you make sure that you understand as much as possible where that person is in their relationship with you before you show them that long form sales letter. Because, exactly. if it's, exactly. because if it seems like you're spending 19 page scrolls on who am I and what news outlets have I not actually been featured on, but I have the logo. <laughs> uh, uh, and they're thinking, but I've been following you for three years. Why do I need to read this crap? Exactly. They, they, I know what you want because I can see you. You're using long copy, which might be needed, but you might need to optimize that long copy. And, uh, and as far as the question of, well, we should just list all of our coaching prices on our websites and our consulting prices, that is not always appropriate because if you Correct. list the price, you may attract tire kickers. You may go for low-bid buyers, which are typically going to be the worst type of customer to have in the long run, et cetera, et cetera, exactly. et cetera. And even if they would have been a great mm -hmm. customer, by putting that out there, it creates the wrong expectation. And a great customer might not work out so great, whereas if you'd approach it differently the first time. So what we look at is how do we bring people closer to us faster and how do we help people make the decision for themselves that investing is the smart thing to do today? And uh, so we look at, you know, how, you know, what is the intake process? How do we get people to speak with us? How do we get the information we need? How do we give the information they need? Uh, there are not many techniques out there, and that's not what this call is really about, but, you know, the most common thing that we see people do is let's offer a free consult. And what we're learning through some of our oh, yeah. recent testing is as soon as, you, mm -hmm. uh, as soon as you offer a free consult, the antenna go up. It's like, well, I'm not going to take you up on your free consult because you're going to sell me something. <laughs> well, also, too, what also happens is somebody desperate enough might take you up on the consulting because if you really offer a, a free consultation, you you might be asking more questions, but generally, what's the rule of thumb? You offer a free consultation, they and you give at least one key piece of information to right. entice them to now buy you, right? But here's what the here's what the challenge is here. Once you've elevated past, you know, the, the hustle, you know, type deal, you start doing consultations for free. What's the purpose of me um, really buying your service? I think you told me what I needed to know. If your service is so valuable but you gave it away for free, you'd be better off doing an ebook. If you're really that enticed to give something away for free, you know what? Go get a marketing partner, give something of theirs away for free, or give away a free ebook with some knowledge, some, some quick tidbits. But your time is valuable. It goes back to what we talked about. People say, I don't have time. You got enough time. You're just not using right. it right. So your time as a consultant is extremely valuable because as a consultant, you don't have something tangible. Your time, your knowledge is what is considered the tangible. That's what people are paying you for as a consultant is for your knowledge and your ability to solve their problem. So if you're busy spending time on all these free consultations, giving it away for free, you're not going to have time to serve a paying customer. What's, I mean, really, you got to be careful with that. Give away an ebook where they can download it, read it. They like it, they'll come to you. Or go give away somebody else's free stuff that, like, as a marketing partner. But you never given away your free consultation, and I've learned that over time, just like what you said, Adam. It's not the best marketing strategy. It, it might convert maybe one or two, but it's not going right. to convert enough to give you a paycheck. 
Right. We're getting real close to the top of the hour here, and I want to get in two listener yeah. questions here real quick because we have nine minutes total, yeah. and I do want to give you a couple minutes at the end. Uh, the first listener question, and these are submitted by people who knew you were going to be on the show and wanted to ask a question in advance, is uh, they're, they're asking uh, what role does attract and repel marketing have in branding? So, attraction, you said? Attract and repel. Attract and repel. Okay, marketing has yeah, in yeah, branding. Yeah, what role does that play in branding? Is it in the, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, um, it depends on how you manage it. It depends on how you manage it and how it, if that's your business model. When you start using certain methodologies, you have to go back to what your business model is. Um, right. First of all, most of the times you're doing um, – you know, that attract and repel type deal, half of the time are you really attracting your ideal client? You're not. You're not really attracting your ideal client if if you're doing, you know, this type of methodology. So it goes back to what your business model is. What is your business model and how how are you using your model to uh, catapult your company forward and to put your company out the right way? So you want to be careful about that. Right. Okay. And then the other question we have is, uh, somebody's asking, you know, when I think of branding, I think of color swatches and logos and how we design our business cards. Is that what you mean by branding? Wow, that's a good question. That's a piece of branding. Let me answer that. Branding is is a is the process of of you're making the decisions and you're taking actions that's going to su- support the development of your company's brand as a whole. Logos are collateral. Those are visual. That's the remember I told you about visual. That's visual branding. Your business card is visual branding. You know things like that. But you have to brand your company's product. You have to brand your company's service. You got to brand the company as a whole. So when you're talking about branding, branding goes deeper. The brand is what you build. A brand right. is built. Branding is the process that you use to develop the brand. I hope that makes sense. That's usually confusing for some people trying to you know, distinctly, distinctively differentiate the two. A brand is built. It's the impression. That's the impression presented. However, in order to build a brand, you need to implement branding, and branding is the process that you use and making those decisions and taking actions that's going to support the development. But you got to know what your business model is and what you want your company to represent. So a logo is just collateral. Right. That doesn't give you a brand. It's just a visual collateral. Your branding and the way you hit your brand focuses more on the customer, customer acquisition, how do you manage your customer, uh, your services, your pricing strategy, things like that. When you think about that, it goes back to what we talked about before, brand equity, the value of your brand in the marketplace. A logo doesn't do that. Okay, since you've done so well here, we actually have time for one more we can squeeze in. And I actually, this is okay. actually my question that I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on, because this is one of the age-old things, especially for mm-hmm. people who are making the transition from solopreneur to small business owner, or they're mm-hmm. looking to position themselves in the market a certain way. Uh, what are some of your criteria for making the decision whether the branding of a business should be around the business owner's personality versus the business itself? Oh, that's a great question. Um, if you're a if you're an entrepreneur and your brand is you, like uh, a singer, you know, right. uh, if you're exclusively an author, 
that. You brand yourself around you because therefore people will follow you, the singer, and every time you drop a new album or you drop a new book or, or a play, a lot of um, artists, are great as a good idea to brand themselves. Um, my specialty is in the healthcare industry. Um, healthcare professionals can brand themselves. So when you are the person, like the only person that can sing is me. So I have to brand me. If I'm the playwright, I write the plays. I even though I have people to go and you know class to do it, but I write the play. So then you then brand yourself. When you have a company that is providing services and you have service levels and products that you're giving out, you need to brand the company because you don't want it to be that every time you release a new product, you have to re-educate the public or the marketplace about you and about the product you're releasing and about the company. You only need to release, hey, listen, um, I'm, I'm going to use an example because it's a publicly traded company. We all know about it. No one's unfamiliar. Okay, McDonald's. Right. Whenever McDonald's drops a new burger, you know, chicken sandwich, fish sandwich burger, they don't have to keep saying, you know, this is McDonald's, who are we? This is the co this is the founder of McDonald's or the current CEO. We decided through the marketing team to give you this new burger. They don't have to do all that. All they have to say is come for the McRib. We already know what that is. Does that make sense? So yeah. if you are the individual, an author, an artist, like uh, someone that's writing a play, if you're a painter, things like that, you brand you the person because every time you drop something new, they're going to follow you. When you're a company with services and typically you're, you're going to end up hiring other people to do things, you brand the company. And that was my hiccup when I started my first company, um, which is why I ended up rebranding. People, only time people wanted the services if Natasha was going to deliver it. And I needed to break away from that because we have right. other people that can execute service. Mm -hmm. Right, which is, a, which is a real challenge when we come to web design companies and why that's really, yes. in my opinion, not a scalable model. Uh, just to cap this off, we give you a, a couple minutes here. Years ago, and unfortunately I can't find this, I had written an article in about 2010, 2011 on how history would be different if mm. uh, some people in branding 30 years ago had decided to promote as the primary brand a company called the Trump Organization rather than its founder as the brand. Mm -hmm. And if I still mm -hmm. had that article, I could certainly update it because history has now changed even more profoundly as a result of that. So just, mm. think, just think about the power of a personal brand, even with a multi-billion dollar company, and how that can carry things uh, versus the need to separate yourself from that. So again, I think it's one of those things where, personally, it depends. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, absolutely it depends. And it always goes back to this. What's your business model? Right. What is your business model? If, and if you don't know what your business model is, that's the first place you're going to have to go. Know what your business model um, and understand what that business model is. That's going to be the guide for everything that you do. That's really the guide. What kind of clients you serve, what product you release, what service you provide, what's your pricing strategy, where do you market, how do you market, who do you talk to, how do we look. That's going to determine everything. And, and I've worked with other web developers and helping them to brand the company as opposed to the web person. And, you know, those things are very easy. Uh, it's just how you put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very. Hang on one second here. Very good, very good. Sorry about that. All right, so we have uh, just a minute left here. So what I'd like to do, Natasha, is just 30 seconds. Anybody who's on the edge of their seat, what can they do? On the edge of your seat, go write the vision and make it plain. Stop being wishy-washy. Write it down. 
very clear, get very clear and very focused. Stop being sloppy in the mind. That will make things a lot easier. Right. And how, and how can you help our business creators do that? Uh, what the way I help you guys just reach out to me on impactbrandingconsultant.com. You can reach out to me and I can help you put the systems to, to, in place so that you can start moving forward in the direction that you designed to do. As a branding strategist, that is what I do. I've spent over 10 years perfecting my craft and I'm excellent at what I do. So I've been told. <laughs> Outstanding. So uh, mm. once again, everybody, uh, Natasha, I want to first of all, I want to thank you very much for spending time with us today. And it's been an honor and an education. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my honor as well. And I look forward to uh, many more and seeing more of what you have going on in your world as well. You bet. So that's Natasha Davis of Impact Branding. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win 